Good morning, everybody. Bank holiday weekend, you've made the effort to come into God's house. And because you've made the effort to come into God's house this morning, I believe that God will honour you for that. I believe God will bless you for that. Our God is a God who is rich. And he wants to give his children so much. So the first thing I'm going to ask you to do is to turn off your phones and gadgets if you've got them. Because you won't be rich if you're texting, ringing, or anything like that in church. Last Sunday, you'll remember that Vicky mentioned, and he stuck with me this, that when you're coming to listen to the Word, you need to do, do it wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. So that means that everything else that's going on in your mind at the moment, whatever that might be, should just be switched off along with your phones and gadgets and you should listen to the voice of God. And if you listen to the voice of God this morning, you may leave this place and never turn your phone back on again. So welcome, especially if you're new this morning. Where's Ange? Ange, it's her birthday today. So let's give Ange a round of applause. Chloe mentioned it to me and I said, yes, I will embarrass your mum. That's not a problem. So I'm back on the old paperwork. My iPad, iPad's battery uh, decided it wasn't going to work, so I'm back on paperwork. Um, which I don't particularly like, to be perfectly honest with you, but we'll give it a go. I'm going to speak this morning on something that I've spoken about before in the past, actually. Um, and I was reminded, really going back a few weeks ago, uh, by something Barry said, and then by something that Vicky said last Sunday, and then by a conversation that I, I had in the cafe last Sunday with somebody from our church. Uh, I won't uh, name names. But Barry said a few weeks ago, if you, if you remember you were here, that... Actually, I don't like that being there. I can go over there. Barry said that we need to get serious. Does anybody remember Barry saying, we need to get serious? Now, I don't know what getting serious conjures up in, in your mind. But essentially for me, what it spoke to me is that we need to make sure and ensure that we are right with God. That's the first thing we need to do is to ensure that we're right with God and I want to give you an opportunity this morning before you leave this place and give myself an opportunity this morning to make sure that you and I are right with God because Barry's spoken about the people you see the building the building can't save people the building might be nice it might have lovely lights that are blinding me at the moment. It might have this, it might have that. But actually, God uses people to go and speak to them about the love of Jesus Christ and his saving grace. That's who he uses. He uses you and I. And so we need to ensure that we have the confidence and the, the, the giftings because God give, gives, gives gifts to his children 
to be able to go out of this place and be light to those around us in our world. You see, this isn't the end game. Coming to church on a Sunday morning and a Sunday afternoon and even going to life group on a Tuesday or Wednesday, whilst that's fantastic and I would always encourage you to get into a life group because that will build you up, that will help you and that will spur you on. Even those things, without the Spirit and the power of God and you being at the centre of everything God wants for your life, it's worthless. It can't achieve anything for the kingdom. And so this morning I wanted to give us an opportunity to make sure that we're right with God. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Sounds simple. And maybe you can say to me this morning, but actually tell me I'm right with God and I've been right with God for 50 odd years or 30 odd years. Well, praise God. That's wonderful. But I believe that God wants to use our church, Hope Church, as a, a starting point, if you like, the foundation for revival in this town. Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah. Because if you don't believe it, we'll never get it. Yeah. So you've got to believe that God can do all things and anything through you and me. But we have to make sure that our, our minds, our hearts, our souls, our spirit, our thinking are focused firmly upon the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, so that was the first thing. Barry said we've got to get serious. And when he says we've got to get serious, what he means, I think what he means and he might be able to tell us in his preach later on, I might be wrong. But what I think he means is that everything else has got to come second and Christ has got to come first in your life. Everything, whether that's your brother, your mother, your sisters, your work, your house, your, whatever it might be, whatever your desires are, whatever you're putting first in your life, is it Jesus Christ? Because if Jesus Christ is first in your life, everything else will follow. But if it's not Jesus Christ that's first in mind in your life, we won't be devoted to him, we won't revere him, we won't follow him. He'll become secondary in our world. And you'll become what's called double-minded. And we don't want to be double-minded Christians, do we? And then the second thing that got me thinking about this word this morning was this, was Vicky's word last week. If you weren't in, get it. Get it on the podcast. It was brilliant. I listened to it twice last night. Twice. And fat man, she's not here this morning. I did listen to yours, by the way. <laughs> Just so you don't think there's any favoritism going on here. And, and fat man was talking about the favour of God and when the, the enemy attacks, that you stand firm and that you don't move because it's going to happen. And it's going to happen more and more as we grow and as revival comes in this place you're going to get attacked more and we're going to say, hallelujah, bring it on. Is that right? Yeah. Amen. And so Vicky was talking about the corridor of opportunity and you might remember that she mentioned that there's an open door, a closed door, sorry, a, a good door, a bad door and a closed door. And she mentioned that most of us like to go through the good door because in the good door it gives us good feelings. And in the good door, uh, we're happy because we're, we're getting something that we want. But actually in that good door, 
It doesn't, at the end of the day, it doesn't fulfill us. It doesn't fulfill us. That's what Vicky was saying. That it only lasts for a while. And then nobody wants to go through the bad door. But what Vicky was saying is that, that it's good to go through the other door because the other door is a faith-filled door that you step through without knowing what will happen, but you know that God's going to fulfill his word to you and his plan for your life. So you'll go through the other door. How many of you responded and said, Lord, I'm going to go through that other door. I'm sick of going through the good door. I've not even been through the bad door, but I want to get through that other door. And then what happened then is that after the service, I was speaking to, to somebody and she, she was telling me, she said, that word was just for me. That word was just for me. It was the word that I've been waiting for all my days. She said, because I've been all my life, I've been searching for something. And what I've been doing, I've been, I've been searching for jobs. And I've got this great job. And I've been searching for a lovely house. And I've got this lovely house. And I've been searching for a great car. And, and I've got a lovely car. But actually, Tony, after what Vicky said today, I know that it's only temporary. It is not fulfilling me. And I know that there is a God out there who's got something far better for me. That's what she said to me. And I was jumping for joy. I was excited for this lady. Because after 30 years of following her own desires, she decided after a word from God, a powerful word from God, I'm going to start going through the door which by faith will lead me to where God wants me to go. Listen to that preacher again. I beseech you. That's a good Christian word. <laughs> beseech. I think I'll get the pastors of our church pulling my ear afterwards and saying, Sonny, don't use that one again in the service. Praise God. Praise God. And so, I want to start off this morning by putting a picture up on the uh, screen. Have we got it there, Sam? Can we see it? Actually, I'm going to... Have we got it? A white car. I'm going to come down, actually, if that's okay with everybody, because I want you to explain this. This is a white car. <laughs> it's a two-litre Passat car which I inherited a couple of weeks ago from a former work colleague of mine. Now, this work colleague of mine is a Christian and he, in the space of four months this year, he's lost his wife, they've separated, he's lost his house and a couple of weeks ago, he lost his job. A work colleague of mine. And I had the unenviable task of going to the train station in Sid's car and dropping him off just after he'd been sacked. And as we were driving along, I said to Sid, I said, Sid, God's arms are still open wide for you. Yeah. Whatever's gone on, his arms are still open wide for you. And the reason that I inherited this car 
is because at Christmas time we had our works Christmas do. And Sid, over the years, has had problems with alcohol. And for whatever reason, when he was lubricated with alcohol at the works Christmas do, he got into the car and drove it. And so when we came back to work after the New Year break, our managing director said to Sid, Sid, you should not have done that. And I should be sacking you. But he gave him another chance. And the only reason he gave him another chance is because, of, I'm going to show you in a minute, is because he's good at what he does. He's a great salesperson. He's got a great personality. He has faith. But he keeps stumbling because of this issue with alcohol. And so, that car, you might think, what are you showing me that for, Tony? That's just a car. But actually, this car has got something that I suspect nobody in here has got, and 99.9% .9 of the country hasn't got. And Tracy's laughing at me because she knows what it is. <laughs> if we can go to the next pictures, please. It's a breathalyzer. If you open the glove compartment of the car, there is a breathalyzer kit in it. And so, you can imagine the scene. I, uh, I get up for work in the morning, I have my breakfast, I kiss the wife goodbye to work, and I get in the car, and I have to take this breathalyzer test. And I can see the neighbors looking out. <laughs> What is he doing? <laughs> so Sid had to have this breathalyzer kit installed in the car. And what happens is, is if you don't pass the kit, you cannot go. The car will not start. It is, but there is a bypass to it. Not that I should be sharing this. <laughs> yeah, get somebody else to blow in it. But that's not the point. And so basically every morning, well not just every morning, but every time I get into the car, I have to blow into this kit and it comes up, oh so far it's come up, so far it's come up past every time. But I wanted to just make sure that you realise that I actually don't touch alcohol. Okay, so it's not that I've had to have it installed. Um, but... <laughs> But you cannot go if you do not pass this test. And then I got thinking. Thank you, guys. Then I got thinking to myself, you know what? Isn't it great that when I get into the car in the morning, that this is not a Sinelijah's kit? Sinelijah rather than breathalyzer. Isn't it great that I don't have to get in the car every morning and I don't have to blow in to this tube and it says failed. Because, actually, because of the cross of Jesus Christ and his unfailing love for me and the fact that his son went to the cross to forgive me of my sins, 
it's a good job that I don't have to take a test every morning to see how my sins are, are weighing up. Isn't it a good job that I don't have to press the button to the car and he says, stop, you cannot go, your sins are too many. Maybe 20 years ago I'd have had that problem. But now, I don't even have to take the test. And for you and for me, you can press the button and you can go. It'll run. You'll go. Because of God's grace and his mercy to forgive you and me of our sins. Now you may be saying to me this morning, but Tony, I don't feel like that. I feel a little bit like that car. I feel that pretty much every day of my life, that I'm stuck in sin, I'm stuck in this, that or the other, and I, I, don't, I can't even get out of bed in the morning sometimes. Now look, I'm not saying there are not consequences to sin. Of course there are. I could stand here for half an hour and go through all my sinful life before God rescued me. And your eyes would go, woo! But God has given me the liberty and the freedom and the mercy. The mercy of God to be able to get up each morning and go. But you might not be feeling the same today. You might say, well actually, I'm in a place where I just cannot get rid of this sin. I cannot get rid of this wrong thing that I keep doing. And of course, sin is sin. It's utterly sinful. But God doesn't measure sin. God doesn't say, hmm, tell you what, that one's worse than that one. To him, sin is sin. I remember only about a week or so ago, there was a a picture on Facebook, some of you will have seen this, a very harrowing picture. And Facebook can be used for good or bad, I very rarely use it these days. But I saw this picture of this gentleman who is in his car near some woods. I, do you remember, you've seen this Jeff, haven't you? And there were tears rolling down his eyes. And he'd put a Facebook post. And basically, he was just about to end his life. He'd had enough. His sin had got the better of him. His demons had got the better of him. And that's becoming more and more prevalent in this day and age. And I want to say to you this morning in Hope Church that if you've ever felt that way, if you've ever felt suicidal, if you've ever felt there's nowhere else to go, there's nowhere else to turn. I want to commend Jesus Christ to you. Come on. Come on, because there is an answer. Absolutely. And there is hope. Come on. And if you're in that position this morning, please come and speak to us. Come on. Yeah. 
don't let the darkness win. Because we've heard this morning that the victory is already yours. If you will just put your trust and your hope in Jesus. I'm getting a bit emotional here because I hate it when the devil robs that which God created. And so, in Psalm 130, it says this. I've only got 15 minutes, but where's that time gone? <laughs> in Psalm 130, it says this. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness, so that we can with reverence serve you. Now, I love this. It's because, why, why I love it is because if you've been born again and you've been forgiven of your sins, it doesn't mean to say that you're not, you're not still, you can't still sin. Of course you can. But conscience, consciously, you don't sin anymore because you know the difference between right and wrong. But more importantly, you know what God would say to you about what, what's right and what's wrong. There's a difference because the Holy Spirit is helping you and guiding you and leading you. And so what it says is, that, is this, this is what it says to me, is that if you're in a good place and you're not, you're not worried about your sins from the past, that you can actually go out and serve God. Now I want to put it to you this morning, if you are not serving God, it may well be because you've still not got yourselves right with God. Because everybody who is right with God serves God. Jeff put a quote up on Facebook this week which uh, got me thinking. He said this. The cross is not a trophy for winners. It's a shelter for sinners. That's brilliant, isn't it? Now, of course, we are winners. We've already won. Because Jesus has already done it at the cross. We're already on the winning side. So that's not what Jeff's saying here. What Jeff is saying, and as Barry has already put it this morning, our job actually is to see those folks who are at the end of their tether who want to commit suicide, those with anxiety, those with depression, those with issues, maybe they might be um, some kind of, what's the word I'm looking for, it's got out of my mind, some kind of addiction. People who are lost. That's what the church is for. That's who we should be reaching. Those people who need us. We're not here to be a holy huddle. We're here to reach the lost. That many would be saved and brought in to the kingdom. And by doing so, they come into his church, which is his body. I want to read you a passage of scripture, which is very familiar to everybody. It's in Luke chapter 15. And it's the parable of the lost son. I'm reading from the NIV version. And I'm going to read from verse 11. Have we got it up there, guys, at the back? Yep, yeah, super. Okay. 
Now I want to say to you this morning that whilst the church has a responsibility, I have a responsibility, the leaders of the church, whoever preaches up here, have a responsibility to talk about sin. Because without, this is why Jesus, actually the scripture says, the reason that Jesus came was to save his people from their sins. So we have a responsibility. It's not to condemn, but it's to convict if needs be. For me as well. And so in Luke chapter 14, 15, verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired hands. So he got up and went to his father. Stop. So here we have the account of two sons, one who was quite diligent, who was quite obedient to his father, and I guess his conscience would tell him, I mean, he could have done exactly the same thing as his brother probably. He could have said, I'll tell you what, he's had his half, I'll have my half, and I'll go and do my thing, and he'll go and do his thing. But no, this, this one brother was pretty diligent. He honoured his father, there's a preach for you. Honour your father and your mother and it will go well with you. I digress. <laughs> he wanted to please his father and so he worked for his father in the fields, working hard. And then the other brother said, no, I want my lot. I want my desire. I want my, a little bit last, week, last weekend's conversation, my houses, my cars, my this, my that. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. Father said, okay, son. There you go. There's your head off. Off you go. And so he goes off. And the scripture says that he spent his time and his money living a wild life. I eat a sinful life. And if you read further on, it says that his brother complained that he spent most of his money on prostitutes. That's how bad it got. And yet, you know, somewhere in the Father's loving mercy, he came to his senses. Now, it might be that me and you have this morning to come to our senses. We might have to think to ourselves and position my life this way. 
but I need to reposition my life this way. My priorities have been this, but I need to reposition my priorities to this. And so, he recognised, didn't he, that many of his father's hired servants had food to spare. I wonder if anybody here this morning recognises that there are brothers and sisters in this place who are on fire for God, who God is using mightily, and you're thinking to yourself, I wish I was doing what they were doing. I wish I had what they had. Or it might be that you're limiting yourself by saying, I like what they've got, but I'm not prepared to, for the cost so that I can get what they've got and more. Because whatever they've got is the grace that's been apportioned to them so that they can have that. And whatever I've got is the grace that's been apportioned to me so I can have this. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I hate it when people believe that they are not worthy. That they believe that they're worthless. That they've got no value in life. I absolutely loathe it. Because, let me tell you, you have every value in God's sight. Everything about you is what God created. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knew you before you were born. He actually created you for greatness. And yet how often do we limit ourselves because we put our actions first and we limit what God can do in our lives? by our actions, by our sins. And yet God is crying out. He wants you to repent. He wants you to come to your senses. He wants you to focus on Him and Him alone. And then His plans will be outworked in your life. They have to be. Because that's His promise, as Vicky shared last week. I know the plans I have for you. But He's saying, you're making your own plans. I can't work with people that make their own plans. So what I want you to do is to come back, look at the cost, count the cost, surrender, and you see me working through you. I promise you it's going to happen. But you've got to. You've got to run back into the arms of your Saviour. I want to show you another clip. Just before we do, I want to come down because I like watching this myself. It's only a very short one. Are we okay, Sam? Give me 
Can we play that again? Just so you get the message. Father's heart. His arms are open. He wants you to run into his arms. My grandson ran. He's only a little four-year-old, but he saw his granddad from afar off. They'd parked the car on the other side of the, the car park. And he saw his granddad from a long way off. And he ran. He knew what he wanted. He wanted to be reunited with his granddad. He was excited. So he ran as fast as he could. And granddad was excited. Extremely excited. I just wanted to say, oh, come here. And cuddle him. And put my arms around him. And kiss him. And say, I miss you, grandson. It's great to have you back in my world today. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Do you do much celebrating, church? Do you celebrate everything that God's done for you? The elder brother became angry. And he refused to go in. This is a warning against jealousy. This is a warning that if someone comes into our midst more gifted than me, then I've got to stand aside and say, I need to hear from you. I need to receive from you. And not to say, hang on, that was my preaching slot. Where's he gone? Or it might be the worship team. Oh, It might be the worship team where, where somebody else comes in. And the worship team, you've got to make sure that your heart is right, that you let somebody else have a go with good grace. It's not about me. And yet the son, he was angry, he was annoyed. The elder brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and he pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, 
who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I haven't got time to go through the rest of my notes. My question to you this morning, though, is quite simple, and to me as well. Are you dead or are you alive? Are you somebody who needs the Father's arms this morning to come and wrap? himself around you with his great love. Vicky started last Sunday's preach. I, I listened to all of Vicky's Sunday's preach last week, twice. Which she started by saying, God loves you. Might sound simple. But his love for you is so great. It's so vast. And it's for everyone. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all got it wrong. Me more than most. And yet God says, my arms are open wide for you. You could come in and I'll wrap my arms around you. And as far as the east is from the west, your sins I will remember no longer. Church, I don't want us to be a church that is constantly worrying about the past Worrying about our sins from the past. The devil will constantly try and make you remember those times of the past. Because the devil's somebody who, who likes to devour. He's always looking for somebody to get at. But once you come into the loving arms of Jesus Christ, he gives you the authority and the power to say, I know in whom I have believed. It's Jesus Christ. There's a song that Hillsong wrote a few years ago and I couldn't stop singing this as we finish. And I'd, uh, I'd like either of the pastors to come and perhaps lead us in a time of response, if that's all right. But I want to finish with this. You are good, you are good when there's nothing good in me. You are love, you are love on display for all to see. You are light, you are light when the darkness closes in. You are hope, you are hope. I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Light of the world forever reign. If you're in a dark place this morning, if you're in a place where you know you need to put yourself right with God, you know that the life that you're living is not the life that God wants for you. 
Well, you have an opportunity now to put that right. We often say we are not promised a tomorrow. And even though we're small in number this morning, I believe God is speaking to people in this place. And God's love is wrapping him, himself around you. And you know that you need to put it right with God. Because then you see, when you put it right with God, when you press the button, you can just go. You can fly. And you will accomplish and achieve everything God has set out for you, his plans and his purpose and his goodwill for your life. And so church, let, it, let yourself just in these few moments run into the arms of God again. He's waiting. He's, he's waiting. He loves his kids when they run into his arms. Praise God.